This is Austin Pace with BYU-Idaho Radio, and I'm joined today by Democrat House Representative Steve Birch from District 15. Birch has been representing District 15 since 2018. He earned a bachelor's degree in marketing from the State University of New York at Albany and a Master of Business Administration in Management Information Systems from the University of Minnesota. Birch currently sits on the House Education, Business, and Local Government Committees. He is also part of the JLOC Committee. Thanks for joining me, Representative. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Awesome. So could you tell me a little bit about these committees that that you represent, especially the JLOC Committee? What, what is that? So um, the other committees are pretty self-evident, uh, business and education and local government. But JLOC is a, a, a standing for Joint Legislative Site Committee. It's a, it's a very unique committee. It is the only equally bipartisan committee in the legislature. Uh, four Democrats, four, four Republicans, and two each from the House and Senate. And um, uh, it oversees an organization called OPE, which stands for Office of Performance Evaluations, which does uh, very deep dive research and analysis on projects that are assigned to, to it by JLOC, proposed by legislators. Uh, and it uh, provides some of the most thorough, in-depth analysis of issues that have really significant impact on citizens of the state. So you've you've been working with these committees during this this legislative session. So what are some things that you've liked and some things that you may like to see change based on these past few weeks of the legislative session? Well, there's a couple of things. One and this keeping in mind this is an election year. What we tend I've seen this now, you know, for each election year I've been in the legislature. We get a lot of bills that uh, seem to be designed more to create talking points for the upcoming uh, uh, party primaries or Republican primary in particular in May of this of this year. And create, you know, and we see a lot of issues like libraries and transgendered issues, which affect such the smallest percentage of the um, population. And a lot of the issues that are really affecting people, people you know, things like property taxes and uh, health care services and, and uh, affordable housing or unaffordable housing. Uh, these issues just really aren't being addressed as much. So it's a political year and uh, a fair number of the bills are really like, like redefining the word fetus or uh, equating the word gender with the word sex. These are not things uh, these are not things that pe- my constituents are telling me are, are on the top of the list of what they want the legislature to focus on. And it's also uh, what people are nowhere is it on the radar of what people are telling uh, when BSU did a survey of, of citizens across the state in terms of what the top issues were for them. The other thing that has changed uh, that, I'm, that I'm very concerned about is the process for setting budgets. And we've gone to this two-step process that uh, really is forcing us to vote on budgets that are not sufficient to adequately fund departments and hope and trust that a follow-up bill will appear before us in time uh, that might provide the additional funding. And there's a there's a long conversation behind why that's happening. But the bottom line is, is that it's it's really put the budgeting process at risk, in my opinion, and also puts control of it in the hands of very few people behind the scenes. And to me, that's not a good not a good uh, direction for setting uh, for setting budgets. So a couple weeks ago, Idaho Attorney General Raul Labrador was rejected in open meetings lawsuit against the <clears throat> Idaho State Board of Education with respect to the University of Idaho's purchase of the University of Phoenix. I thought, you know, a couple weeks ago, after that had been shut down, uh, we wouldn't hear more more about the purchase, more about about this. But now state <clears throat> lawmakers are threatening a lawsuit opposing the $685 million deal. So could you tell me a little bit more about this story and your stance on the purchase? 
And why are lawmakers opposing the deal? So I, I'm not a definitive source on that. And I've had no, even though I'm on the education committee, uh, none of the issues associated with the purchase of the University of Phoenix has come my way, either in committee or even outside of committee. In many ways, I, 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 I know what everyone else knows in terms of what I read in the papers. <laughs> However, um, I think uh, I am concerned about uh, an attorney general's office that refuses to write opinions and put their opinions in writing, but seems to be almost litig lit litigation happy uh, in regard to targeting and suing people, uh, again, for um, what seems to be, you know, more of a political, politi a politicizing of the attorney general's office, which is not the traditional role of that office, which is really supposed to be calling balls and strikes and not going after people, be it the State Board of Education or uh, people who have provided certain services for, uh, you know, for, um, uh, you know, with federal dollars, which they did earlier, uh, did last year. Uh, as far as why legislators are, um, are, are getting involved recently here is that I think, I think there's two reasons. I think that there is some concern about whether just exactly how transparent and thorough the, the availability of documents have been in regard to this transaction. But I also think there's just kind of a fear of the size of it and the magnitude of the change. And, uh, and, and, and I think, and when people get, get, you know, aren't, aren't comfortable with change, they, uh, you know, they, they start asking more questions. And I think that that's what we're seeing play out here. On to my next question. A couple of days ago on the 13th, the U.S. Senate passed a $95 billion foreign aid package, which would provide military support for Ukraine, Israel, and Taiwan. What is your stance on this? And how will this not only affect the citizens of the United States, but the citizens of Idaho, in your opinion? So this, this is really a uh, question for the federal government. This is uh, this only affects the citizens of Idaho to the extent that that amount of money winds up affecting uh, the financial relationship between the state of Idaho and the federal government and so forth. Uh, I don't really see this financially affecting Idaho citizens. But the U.S. in general, the stance taking a position on an issue like that, you know, this is my, it's my opinion is, is you know, no more valid than anyone else's opinion on it. And it really is not a legislative issue here in the state level. However, I do take a long-term view. And one of the things I did in my career, I did long-term strategic planning for uh, Hewlett Packard. I worked for HP here in Boise for years. And I try to look at the big picture and I try to look at the relationships, uh, you know, broader relationships and try to connect dots and so forth. And to the extent that there is legitimate concern that uh, Russia has designs for far greater than just uh, locally in Ukraine and to test the resolve of NATO and, uh, and our allies in regard to their aggression. Um, uh, there is there does there, the, there is a long term risk to the overall security in the world. And you have to decide at what point do you step in and try to prevent an aggressor? Uh, from, uh, you know, from from taking action like that, that can lead to, you know, additional action, additional expense and conflict elsewhere. So I've always felt that once you've identified a problem and issue, the sooner you deal with it and try to contain it or stop it or repel it, the better. So in that regard, you know, I, I, I can see I can see where people would justify 
on making uh, making that expenditure uh, and quite frankly that investment in preventing uh, further spread of uh, of war and uh, and other uh, aggressive actions. Idaho legislators are debating whether Idaho should call for a convention of states to amend the U.S. Constitution. The Constitution has never been amended through a convention of states, which according to the U.S. Constitution would require applications by 34 of the 50 states. So could you tell me a little bit more about what this convention would mean for the U.S. Constitution? What is driving this decision to apply for a convention to amend the Constitution? Well, I can tell you that this this is an issue that I hear quite a bit from constituents, and I fully understand and, and appreciate and share with them the frustration of a federal government that really seems to have become increasingly dysfunctional and irresponsible in regard to how it handles fiscal affairs. And so the incentive and the reasons for wanting to uh, to to use Article 5 of the of the Constitution to try to address those those concerns is understandable. However, there is tremendous risk that goes with that because it is never that is a that is a, a portion of the Constitution that has never, ever been exercised. And people I, there are learned constitutional scholars who will argue that, oh, you can just have a convention limited to certain very specific uh, issues like term limits or balanced budget and so forth. And then there are equally uh, uh, reputable constitutional scholars who'll say, no, there you can once you've once you have opened up the Constitution, there are nothing there's nothing that says you can't expand on on what it is you want to address. Ultimately, it'll wind up being the Supreme Court that'll decide that. So without knowing, so so if if we were to have a constitutional convention that resulted in uh, being able to address anything in the Constitution, that goes far beyond the very specific reasons why people want to are asking for this. And, you know, at the end of the day, they're not making founding fathers the way they used to. <laughs> and I can't think of anyone that I would appoint or anoint to be in a, in a convention uh, to be making those decisions. I think there's huge risk, especially when you look at our, how polarized our country is on so many issues. If you had an addition, a further argument could be made that if you want to just have a specific issue addressed and limit that convention to a specific issue, the Constitution already provides a, a process for doing that. And that's the amendment process. And it's a very hard, high. The, the founding fathers set a very high bar to amend the Constitution. You had to have. 75% of the states agree to an amendment. And, and so what once, so, so, so to me, if you, if, if in general, if you want to address a specific issue like term limits or balanced budget, then use the amendment process. If you truly want to rewrite the constitution or run that risk, you know, then you hold a convention. And for me, the, the risks outweigh the potential benefits of doing that. Thank you for your thoughts. What are you looking you forward to for this next week of the legislative session? Uh, great question. Um, 
I, I, I really don't know exactly what to expect uh, next week in particular. I'd say looking for the balance of the session, which may end in five weeks or so if the, if the uh, target date of March 22nd, I think, is met, uh, but no guarantee. Uh, we have the cut. We have there are three. There are two bills in particular that are going to be coming forward that are have huge significant impact. Uh, one will be a tax credit bill, which is just essentially a, a another form of a voucher bill uh, that would divert money from uh, public tax dollars from public schools to make them available to private for-profit private and religious schools. Uh, that that bill is working its way through. And the other is what's being called a facilities bill, which would provide money for school facilities. But it comes with a laundry list of other changes that have nothing to do with school facilities and a lot of restrictions on how money would be used for school facilities. Uh, so those are two major pieces of legislation uh, that'll be coming up. The, the other area of, of legislation I alluded to it earlier is what we what will we see in the second round of budget bills in terms of the of adequately fund truly funding all the departments beyond the skeleton bare bones bills that have been presented to us thus far and those are yet to come as well perfect thank you that was democrat house representative steve birch from district 15 thanks again for joining me representative my pleasure anytime